Welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Each day we'll look at a text from the weekly readings from the Westgate Church Bulletin. We will look at background material and also application of the text. So once again, welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Our reading today is Psalm chapter 16. If you remember a month ago, we looked at this psalm, and I told you Psalm 16 was quoted in Acts chapter 2 in Peter's sermon at Pentecost. Peter used this psalm to build his case for the resurrection of Jesus. And David writes this psalm, and he writes it about a thousand years before Christ. But we know that David could not be referring to himself because David's tomb was there in the time of Jesus. He'd been dead for a thousand years at that point, and his tomb was still around. So he could not be talking about himself in this particular psalm. So Peter applies this psalm to the resurrection of Jesus as a prediction, a prophecy that Jesus would rise from the dead. And this psalm is important this week because many people were all celebrating Easter, what some of the earliest Christians called Pascha. And on Easter Sunday, we celebrate that Jesus' tomb was found empty. So let's turn to Psalm 16 and see if we can pick up on why this is so important when it comes to the idea of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is Psalm 16, the English Standard Version. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord, and I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones, in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out, or take their names on my lips. The Lord is my portion in my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel in the night. Also, my heart instructs me. I've set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the paths of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. Now, as we look through this psalm, today I want to zero in on verse 10. Notice in verse 10 it says, You will not abandon my soul to Sheol, or let your Holy One see corruption or decay. Now, just a quick review of what we discussed about a month ago. In Jewish thought, the abode of the dead is called Sheol. Sheol is synonymous with the Greek term Hades. When you look at the New Testament, you look at the Greek translation of the Old Testament. Whenever this word Sheol is referred to, it's always translated with the Greek term Hades. Now, a lot of times we get confused and we um, put or we think of Hades as hell. We kind of mash those two concepts together. But Hades is not hell. Hell is. It comes from the the word Gehenna. So it's a different concept. Hell is not Hades. Hell or Gehenna is the final place of condemnation for the damned. So let's don't get those confused. Many people think of Hades and hell being the same thing. They are not. Hades would be like Sheol in the Hebrew way of thought. is the abode of the dead. Uh, Hades would be more like a waiting place, an intermediate place where the disembodied would go awaiting the day of resurrection. Uh, This would be the intermediate state. When I mean intermediate state, I'm talking about the the state of the dead between the day they died and the coming of the Lord, the day of the Lord or the day of resurrection. 
So think about Luke 16. This will help make a little bit of sense of this. You've got the rich man and Lazarus. Now, some people would say, well, this is just a parable, but I, I don't think so. I think Jesus uses name. These are real people. This is a real event. But when you go to Luke 16, you notice the rich man goes to torment and Lazarus goes to the bosom of Abraham. So you have this idea of Sheol or Hades being divided into two compartments. And this was in Jewish thought at this time. And the bosom of Abraham would be synonymous with what we would call paradise. And torment would be synonymous with what's called Tartarus. So there's a day coming, though. We need to understand this and and not confuse this. Torment and Tartarus are not hell. They're not the final place for the condemned. One day, Tartarus and torment will be cast into hell at the final judgment. I know this can be confusing. And as we read through this, these words can can all kind of mash together in our mind. We need to keep them separate to understand what David is talking about. So let's try to separate this confusion. And this is important when we think about the doctrine of Jesus' death. Because we ask the question, where did Jesus go after he died on the cross and before his resurrection? That's a really good question. Where was Jesus Friday after he died on the cross and all day Saturday before Sunday he rose from the dead? And we know that Jesus, when he talked to the thief on the cross, he said, this day you will be with me in paradise. So Jesus would have gone to the place of blessedness in Sheol. Remember, Sheol is divided into two compartments. You have Tartarus and paradise. Jesus goes to paradise. He goes down into Hades. Jesus does not go into hell. He goes into Hades, which is the abode of the dead, the disembodied. So when he gave up the ghost, when Jesus gave up the ghost, he said, it is finished. He would go into uh, this place of the dead. Now, I believe it's important that Jesus experienced all that death had to offer so that we could be completely saved from death. He would go through all that we would experience in death so he could destroy death and rescue us from the grip of death. Hebrews chapter two, verse nine brings this out. It says that Jesus suffered death. So that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. So this is really important. Now, let's think of a doctrine that may not be well known to some people, but was believed in the early church of what Jesus did when he went down to Sheol. First Peter chapter three, verse 19 bears this out. Peter says this, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison. He's talking about Jesus, that Jesus went and proclaim to the spirits in prison. Now, there's this belief by many early Christians that when Jesus went down to Sheol, when he went to paradise, he preached and proclaimed to those who were in torment. This would not be a preaching where they could repent and come to salvation, but a preaching about why they've been condemned, the preaching about the gospel of what he's come to do. So that may seem odd to this, to us today in the the 21st century, But that was a very common belief back early in the early church. And it comes from these passages. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 6, it says, For this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead. So there's this idea of those who are dead had the gospel preached to them. Once again, these terms for preaching, are they're not referring to a gospel proclamation where a person can, can come to faith in Christ and be saved. That's not what this is saying. We can try to explain these passages away, but I think there is possibly some truth to this idea of what Jesus did once he died on the cross. 
that he went down into Sheol. He went into the abode of the dead, into paradise, and the thief was with him that day. He told the thief that on the cross. But there was this idea that Jesus preached to those who were in prison. Those would be the ones who would be in Tartarus or torment. But that's not all he did. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 8 through 10, we get uh, the blanks filled in a little bit more, what Jesus did during this time. He says, therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean? And once again, I'm in verse 9 at this point of, of Ephesians 4. And saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also descended in the lower regions of the earth. Now, pause for a minute there. The lower regions of the earth is another way to say Sheol in, in, a, in Hebraic thought forms and how they communicate it. So this is going to the heart of the earth. When Jesus talks about the sign of Jonah, going into the lower regions of the earth, this would be a Hebraic way of talking about Sheol. Verse 10, he who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. So he descends to Sheol, the lower regions of the earth, and he leads captives free. Now, this is my belief, and this comes from many early Christians, what they believed too, early church fathers. I believe that when Jesus went to Sheol on Friday, when he died on the cross, he preached to those who were in Tartarus, letting them know the truth of the gospel and what he had come to do, and knowing why they had been condemned. Then he led the people in paradise to heaven. Now, this is a very common belief that now when we die, when Christians die, we don't go to paradise, we go to heaven. And the reason people believe this is because when Paul said he dies, he will go home to be with the Lord. So there would be this sense that now when Christians die, they go to the heavenly abode to await the day of resurrection. Note those that die outside of Christ still go to torment or Tartarus. That, that would be their condemnation, that they would go there and they would await the final day of judgment and Tartarus and torment will be cast into hell. So I know this is this may be different for you. Maybe you've heard this before. Maybe you haven't. But I think there's evidence for that in Scripture and, and there's a lot of evidence. And that's how Christians saw this. Let's return to our psalm now is we kind of have this this mental map now of the afterlife. We have something to put these hangers up on and understand what Psalm 16 is saying. Psalm 16 is saying that when Jesus went to Sheol, he would not be there for very long, that he would not be abandoned, but he would be rescued and he would not see decay. Now that, that word decay or corruption is really important because Jesus was raised on the third day. And in Jewish thought, after four days, your body started to decay. Remember in the story of Lazarus, that was really important when Jesus wanted them to open the tomb. They said, Lord, you know, he's, he's been in the, the tomb for four days now. Uh, there could be a smell. So in Jewish ways of thought, four days was the time you'd start to see corruption of the body. Jesus is raised after three days, so he would not see decay. He would not see corruption. He'd be rescued from Sheol. This is talking about the resurrection. Jesus was raised from the dead. So this is a wonderful hope. This is uh, gospel truth that Jesus Christ was raised. He was not a ghost anymore. He received a resurrected body. And we look forward to the day we will be vindicated. Yes, there will be a day we die. There will be a day that we go into that disembodied state. But that is not the permanent state for us. 
we will be raised with new, victorious, and glorious bodies. And I hope this week, this thought of the resurrection permeates your your mind. You think a lot about it. We have time on our hands right now as we, a lot of us are doing social distancing. We're at home. We can contemplate the glory and the beauty of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Well, because our time has gone over, I'm not going to go back and reread Psalm 16, but I hope this teaching has helped you build a mental map of how the afterlife works in Scripture, this idea of Sheol and Hades and the state of the dead. But most importantly, our final hope is resurrection in Jesus Christ. Well, I hope you have a wonderful Holy Week this week, and I would love to see you back tomorrow as we jump back into the Gospel of John.